Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about tonight. And apparently Ron Paul has a few words to say about this whole financial meltdown situation. Yes, he does. But let's go to your calls first, because that is the point of the show. And we'll start with John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, I'm, as usual, a week behind on the podcast, but uh, I I do bump forward to to try to catch up on things a little bit if there's an important story. Lauren's trial was yesterday and Kat was arrested. Mm-hmm. I got some notes from the courthouse. Okay, and great. I did, a, I did a couple of sketches also while I'm there. The sketches, by the way, of the eagle with the e pluribus unum, the the symbol that's above the uh, the guy that's real close to God above his head, mm-hmm. judge. Uh, they they project that out on two large screens and about four uh, 19-inch screens, laptops. I don't know what all those other bureaucrats in the courthouse, what screens they were looking at, but that image of the eagle, um, you know, we we were joking a little bit when we went down to to Cat's thing afterwards. They kind of worshipped that eagle, and somebody said, do you notice it's the same thing that the police have, the badge that they have on their shoulder? They're all on the same team. How can you get a fair trial if they're all worshiping the same thing right i mean that judge had already made up his mind before the trial went there is no doubt about it and of course we're talking about lauren canario she's a friend of ours she's an activist here in new hampshire she is uh, in federal jail at the moment and will be released probably within the next week or so then uh cat canning the publisher of the new hampshire free press another activist and uh, free stater here in new hampshire has also been arrested, was arrested, att- attempting to attend Lauren's trial, and her trial is coming up on the 30th. So what should be interesting, John, is one of the things, we discussed this in length on the program yesterday, and uh, as Dave Ridley pointed out in his recent Ridley report, the turnout was about 28 people, uh, 28 uh, liberty activists. I don't know if they were all free staters. Some of them might have been New Hampshire natives, so I think it's just more important to call people liberty activists than free staters. But, well, uh, well, 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 the guy Therian... The the, mm-hmm. the the number one thug, I, I don't mean that personally, I just yeah. mean as his role in this, the number one right. thug, the arresting, the commanding officer, was referring to the New Hampshire underground. Yeah. And he used the words, and this is kind of, it tells you where we are, we're in a fascist state. He said, I don't want to use the word anti-government. You know that's cold language to the judge. The prosecutor was asking him. It was cold language. He said, I don't want to use the word. And then he used the word. Yeah, yeah. It, you like he that was... That was the first time I said, I need to start making notes. Yeah, you know, he seemed he seemed like he was struggling. Uh, you know, I, th- I think Therian was trying to be as fair as he could. Well, he and I'm not saying that too. he... I'm not saying that he had a lot of capacity for that. I'm just saying that he was—he tr- seemed like he was trying to me, and he was struggling for the right word, and like didn't know freedom activist. Thank you. Yeah. That's absolutely true, Mark. Um, we're all human beings in this drama that's being played out. Mm-hmm. We are affecting them. Um, maybe they are affecting us because you know when I—I I don't know if you guys had made it there yet, but when Lauren came in. You know, there was the Jim Johnson, you know, her husband thing where they tried to communicate. 
Yeah, we were there where Jim uh, actually crossed. back and forth. Right, where Jim. so many people, by the way, that I can't even be sure who was there when. Oh, yeah, I saw some posts from people that I didn't even know were there just because there was, as you say, uh, and Dave counted the people. He said there was at least 28 people there, uh, which is the biggest. I called it a couple dozen or more. Yeah, it was the biggest attendance we've ever had uh, at a federal court trial. Where we are actually affecting one another um, a little bit, we're, we're communicating. I mean, they have, they're trying to match us one by one. And I don't know if they think we're a bunch of real ninjas coming into that court, like <laughs> where they have to, you know, do they have to have that many cops? What do they think? We're going to jump out of our seats? And I don't know. They seem, you know, I. I suggested yesterday, John, that I thought they seemed scared. Some listeners uh, think that uh, they're not scared I, at all. I think uh, they're morally scared. What, what do you mean? Uh, like Dave Ridley says, uh, very early on in his, his silent protest that he was doing a couple of years ago, he would express that to people, saying, I, um, he didn't say scared, um, threatened, or uh, whatever word he mm-hmm. used. He would express that to them, saying, I hope that you're not physically threatened. I hope you're morally threatened. And that's just a paraphrase. I don't mean to put words in his mouth. It was a very anyway, interesting time. If I can jump forward to yeah. what went on in that trial. Please. That showcase. Um, this dude, um, Therian, so he started it off saying he didn't want to use the word, but then he did. He, he, so if Lauren had said that, they would say that's irrelevant. You can't use that word or something like that. But if the ICE guy says it, it's okay. But I did the, I, I did a drawing, and I didn't have my glasses to do the drawing because I had – and there's the, there's the back and forth with those people. I said, please, the prisoner has expressed that she cannot read because she doesn't have her glasses. I have a pair of glasses. She can read. Could somebody please deliver those to her? And somebody from – a woman from the U.S. Marshal Service, I believe she's one of the – you know, probably pretty close to the top here in New Hampshire, actually took my glasses and delivered those to Lauren. So there is some, you know, there is some interpersonal uh, thing. And I think that I, there's something to be said for the amount of people that we had there allowing certain things to happen that would not in any other circumstances have been allowed to happen. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because they didn't know how to handle us or what to do because they'd never handled, had that many people before. I think it's before. because they know us, Ian. They know, they know that we're for real. These are individuals. These are human beings. We're, we are now reaching them. They're observing us. They may think we're weird. Some of them may think they're crackpots. Mm-hmm. Some of them are looking over my shoulder, and I have nothing to hide when I draw a picture that I'm drawing. And it's a little itchy-bitchy judge at the front of the thing in the back of Lauren with a little halo over her head. <laughs> you know, I showed that to the guy from Anarchy in Your Head, and it's like he, he was saying, I ought to bring my sketch pad. But it, later on... The prosecutor, when it came down to sentencing, the prosecutor was using terms uh, along the lines because the judge had already been fed this irrelevant information. Oh, well, maybe not. It's not. That's not quite fair of me to say it's irrelevant. It's all truth. We know. We all know what's going on. So it's not. None of it's irrelevant. It's only irrelevant when it's Cat saying it or Lauren saying it. They can say it's irrelevant, but it's all really relevant. But they can rule. You know, the little people out. When one of the big boys, the prosecutor, began to call the people from the New Hampshire Underground, which is nhfree.com, those people. Uh-huh. And I was so proud that he called us that, yeah. that I put it in quotes, those people. And he said, we need to stop to deter these people. Right, they, they want to send a message. About, he started to tell Lauren 
how she ought to be thankful for the federal marshals who arrested her because if she had made it onto that property. And I was thinking, talk about friggin' irrelevant. Yeah, that was actually the judge that said that. It was the judge that actually uh, gave her that little lecture about why she's still alive today. Thanks to the feds, apparently. That was insane. Yeah. Yeah, so so then we go downstairs, and, you know, they've arrested Kat. We go downstairs, and they start to tell her she's not required to speak. And it's the same thing over and over. By the way, Kat, you know, just being herself, properly, um, I don't want to say irrespectful, but looking at it as irrelevant. If you people want to do this to me, that's what you're going to do. Don't ask for me to play a To be a, a participant, yeah, to be a willing, consensual participant in this. And I think you're right about that. It'll be very I, interesting, it's John. Like, it's kind of like I've learned from you. I withdraw my consent. Yep, exactly right. I think it's great. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate your input evening, here. And, yes, and, sir. And good Thanks for being a great activist out here. He comes out to a lot of stuff here in New Hampshire yep. and a uh, talented artist. Uh, not not uh, necessarily. I haven't seen his drawings, but I uh, certainly have heard his music and uh, great guy. So we've got more people coming out than ever for things like this. Uh, talking about Lauren Canario's trial here. Uh, Twenty eight people showed up, according to Dave Ridley over at RidleyReport.com. Just tremendous amount of participation, and it's going to happen again next week when they have Cat's trial. Again, so-called trial. It's the judge already knows in advance what he's going to do. Uh, I suspect he's going to do exactly what he did to Lauren. I mean, you I know. expect so, but it'll be interesting to see if they handle the atmosphere in the courtroom differently. They never had that many freedom activists in their courtroom at one time, so they might have been confused or unsure of how to handle that. Will they change their demeanor next week? We'll find out. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and the bulletin board system is one of those things. Over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. I've been taking the diet supplement, DEXC20, for probably the past six or seven weeks, and I've been uh, losing weight progressively. And the thing about it is I don't have to do anything else. I take the diet pill twice a day, and I'm losing weight. And you can, too. Lose weight easy, uh, the easy way with uh, DEXC20. All you have to do is go to Walgreens, CVS, uh, GNC, or you can go to diet.freetalklive.com. That's diet.freetalklive.com. As we go to your calls, Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee on the amp line. Hello, Gene. Hi there. Hey, hey I have a uh, little experience today with the tax collector for right. the county. And uh, here down in the south, we pay our uh, get our license registration for our vehicles at the county tax assessor's office. We don't go to the DMV like a lot of states. And so when I walked in there, I had my little registration card in my hand for renewal. And uh, as I walk up to the window, I say, you know, I really, I'm here because I really like paying taxes. I said, you know, I don't think we pay enough taxes in this country. I said, really, you should raise your rates. They're way too low. 
and you know they of course they in the back they're all starting to chuckle and then you know of course the people in line and the people that are paying the taxes they're not finding it extremely funny but uh-huh. they are finding it rather ironic but then i said you know and i'm hoping that a good percentage of this money is going to help bail those billionaire bankers out because you know i'm really <laughs> concerned that they might not be able to make their payments on their maserati and i know if i was a billionaire banker i'd really be uh grateful if people would bail me out so i could make my payments on my maserati you know were they uh were they getting the sarcasm they were they were and they were chuckling and you know and they they thought it was kind of funny and everything and when i got done i said you know well thank you very much and have a good day you know and um, so the, the sarcasm i think maybe is perhaps a little bit uh more effective tool than just going in there and bitching you know so maybe uh, yeah, it's kind of like a little bit of David Letterman stuff. You go in there and you uh, you really? hit them with the uh, over the head with the sarcasm. Yeah, they might be a little more I... likely to listen to you if uh, you're not berating them. So I think that's a good point. I don't know if you saw the David Letterman thing about uh, <clears throat> last night about uh, McCain not showing up on the Letterman show because he had to go rescue the country. No, but, I uh, missed. I don't watch television, you, so I'm afraid I missed it. Well, I don't watch it either, but I saw it on YouTube today. It was very good. It was uh, very yeah, funny. It makes me wonder what is uh, you know a senator and uh, presidential candidate really going to do about the uh, you know the financial meltdown that's been coming it's since 1913. They just want to make just, it look like they can do something. Yeah, they want to make well, it sound like us, they've. Of course. Well, they want to make it sound like they are. They find this so important that they've suspended the campaign. And clearly, if a politician who they're all about campaigning would suspend their campaign for something like this, it must be. Important. I think it was an excuse. I think it was an excuse to get away from doing the uh, debate because you know darn well there was going to be a lot of questions about the economy, mm-hmm. and neither one of these yahoos knows anything about economics. So all they would do is look like a couple of fools talking back and forth. So I think they they well, welcomed the excuse to maybe. Uh, delay. Most of the delay time, those debates are very very prescripted in that the people have to submit their questions in advance to some sort of uh, decider that we, some filter that decides who uh, what questions are allowed on the air. There are some events where they actually do allow uh, unfiltered questions, but I don't know how many of them there are that are like that. So. Hard to yeah, say exactly how they play. Questions, they're going to have to put some in there on the economy or people are just going to laugh their heads off. Maybe so, but they I'm sure it would be li- some lightweight stuff. And, and as you say, since they don't really know anything, their answers will be you know, something like, well, the government must do something. And, of course, that's what they're saying now, right, is that we need a bipartisan effort. We've come to an agreement uh, that we're going to figure this out. Regulations, take care of working people, yeah. uh, you know, bail out our economy, blah, 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 blah. Hey, Gene, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800 259 9231, Mike in Pennsylvania, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mark. Uh, Mike from WeAreChanged.org. Where? WeAreChanged.org. Okay. Yeah, hey, uh, I want to talk to you about a DVD I got in the mail uh, several days ago. It's a movie called Obsession. Have you guys heard about this movie? No, I've heard of the fragrance. What is it? Yeah, we got. I got the story up on WeAreChanged.org right now, actually. Uh, yeah, turns out that the neocons have kind of flipped the script on us here. We've been doing some damage, I guess, with our DVD distribution. So uh, they're using a front organization out of New York, an Israeli group, to send out 28 million copies of a DVD called Obsession, uh, explaining how the uh, war on terrorism is a real threat 
And everybody better watch out because the uh, mean terrorists are coming to get us. I think I have uh, actually seen that, that video. I think I got it in the mail a couple of days ago. I haven't. I intended to watch it, but I have not yet done that. Oh, those! I saw those videos come in, and I just threw them right out. I didn't even open them. So, yeah, I did get a couple. I think Julia got one, and I got one as well. I mean, but what an amazing project. I mean, 28 million uh, copies being sent out with postage, production costs. I mean, unbelievable amounts of money are being spent. Well, there's unbelievable amounts of money at stake for the presidency, you know. I mean, uh, when when you talk about the highest position, well, really in the world, or at least the one that uh, people believe is the highest position in the world, there's a lot of money at stake. So, I, I are you can, suggesting it was presidential campaign, Mark? It just seemed like a, a video sure to me. If you could make if if, if you can make uh, people believe that the um, that the war on terror is working, then McCain wins. Is if that you, what it was? Did you suggest? Well, were you actually, suggesting what, that? what's happening is that uh, an Islamic uh, group is actually suing and trying to use uh, FEC laws, stating that that's exactly what what they believe it is. It's uh, hmm. a it's a propaganda tool for McCain. Hmm. Well, doesn't uh, doesn't Barack Obama support the war on terror too? I guess I'm confused. I thought they were pretty much the same. Oh, well, he guys. wants to he wants to add troops to Afghanistan. Right. But, I thought uh, he wanted to triple the size of the military. Barack Obama is that not the no, case? I think the army in Afghanistan. Oh, army's presence. Well, I think it's it's uh, more to the point. I think it's just a propaganda tool against the the U.S. citizenry. Yeah, it uh, seems more. I mean, it sounds to me like a propaganda tool to boost the state. Whether or not you're talking about uh, Barack Obama or McCain, because they are pretty much interchangeable. Those guys. Nothing is nothing is done by chance currently because you're. I mean, we're within six weeks of the um, the election, and it's it's contentious. It's close. None of this stuff is by chance. Thank you, Mike, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's talk to right. Bill in Oklahoma. You are. On Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Bill? Oh, that didn't sound good. Sounded like a click. Guess he's gone. 800 oh. to... Oh, Bill? Hey. Yes, I'm here. Hey, there you are. <laughs> How are you guys doing this evening? What's on your mind, Bill? Well, um, I just wanted to let everybody know that there's a huge party over at Rockstar Games. Uh, they are Rockstar celebrating Games. the disbarment of Mr. Thompson. Jack Thompson, the attorney who has been, I guess, infamous for going after video game companies, uh, for putting violence in their games, and he's kind of, he's a bit of a stick in the mud about that sort of issue. He's one of those moral people that wants to shove his morality down others' throats. He's one of those guys. But on this issue, Jack Thompson, I think, was absolutely in the right. And we've talked about this before. We can bring you back, talk about it with you, Bill. Hang on, 800-259-9231. He was disbarred down in uh, Florida, which is where he lives. And we'll talk about it a little bit more and what the details are on that case. Why was he disbarred? If you don't know, you'll find out in moments. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And they include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listened to the show. Just head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And the world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun shows happening October 10th, 11th, and 12th 
at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m., $10 per person. That's knobcreekrange.com, knobcreekrange.com. We go back to Bill in Oklahoma. Bill, you called in to let us know that the people over at Rockstar Games are having a party because Jack Thompson has been disbarred. Now, uh, Rockstar Games is, of course, the corporation or company known for producing such uh, smash video game hits as the Grand Theft Auto series. And while I understand their excitement and I understand why they're partying, I, and I would agree, I mean, Jack Thompson generally not doing good things for liberty. However, I will defend him where he deserves to be defended, and he does deserve to be defended in this one particular case. Because in this case, as you may be aware, the reason why he's been disbarred was because he called the judges, many of the judges in Florida, out onto the carpet and did some digging and discovered that many of these people calling themselves judges had never, in point of fact, actually sworn in as a judge. They'd never actually taken the oath of office that is apparently, you know, by their own system and by their rules, necessary in order to become a real judge so essentially these so-called judges had been acting as though they were judges when they hadn't actually followed all of the procedures in order to become a judge in in their own system and jack thompson called them on it and they got pissed and disbarred him for it because he was essentially showing the emperor for having no clothes right i don't like to see that i mean this is a political move and i don't like to see that i mean get him get him for doing something wrong don't get him from doing something right is the way i see it Bill, your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I I totally agree, and uh, I I did understand uh, the history as to why he was disbarred. I just I kind of wished that um, that uh, instead of of dis- disbarring him per se, they should be going out and if they're going to flex any kind of legislative muscle, why don't they just start disbarring the people that were masquerading as you know uh, authoritarians? I just don't see why, uh, you know, you, you cut the, the, the knees off on a guy who's just basically whistleblowing instead of going and attacking the real issue. And the real issue here is you've got a bunch of people trying to be something that they're not, and they're they're trying to pull the wool over the, the eyes. I mean, there's countless cases that these guys, proceed, you know, presided over, you know, what happens to those cases now? Is it completely? Are, are these people exonerated for serious crimes? Oh, because I would imagine they'll just brush this under the rug and uh, go on with business, so-called as usual. I don't think yeah. you'll see anything come out of this. That's just my that's, prediction, as uh, a jaded an, cynic. That's that's unfortunate, of course. Um, I, I the only thing that I I have to say disparaging uh, Mr. Thompson is the fact that he was he was too busy legislating morality when it was basically a parental issue versus a government issue. And that's been my, my biggest problem. Oh, with, yeah. With and I will echo that. I absolutely agree. Uh, Jack Thompson, generally not a very good guy as far as him trying to control other people's morality and trying to enforce it at the you know the threat of government violence. He's uh, 
he definitely understands his audience, however. The last time we had him on the show, I don't know if you heard that interview. You can go to uh, guests.freetalklive.com and, and hear it for yourself. He was definitely pandering to uh, the Liberty viewpoint more so than he did the first time when he was on the program, when he didn't really realize what it was that he was up against. So uh, certainly a slimy, slick character, and I'm sure he'll find a way to get himself involved in the uh, the limelight again. I, I doubt this will be the last we, we hear from Jack Thompson, and I thank you, Bill, for the call tonight and the update on the case. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. We talk to Dan in Maine. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hello. Uh, good evening, uh, gentlemen. Hey there. Hey. Uh, let's see about this bailout. I've, I've been thinking. You know, if if the banks all crash, there's still going to be chickens. There's still going to be cows and food. And yep. I think that these guys are just going to have to go out and get a go to school and learn a new job, other than to be a banker and. Yeah, I, I think you know that it's overstated. I think it's overstated that we're going to slip into a deep, dark depression if they don't uh, bail out the banks. I think that there's yeah. there's definitely going to be an effect on the economy. I don't know what that effect's going to be, but all the wealth that has been created, and wealth is not money. Wealth is the things that money buys. Um, you know, all the wealth that's been created is still here, so I don't think that's going to be really the issue. Exactly, and I think that the way George Bush was threatening everyone last night, mm-hmm. telling them, "Well, you better go along because we're gonna, you know, you're you're gonna lose your homes, you're gonna lose credit." I don't even use credit, so it doesn't bother me. But I'm sure it would right. hurt if, a lot of people. If my bank is having trouble, um, why is that gonna affect my home? Uh, like, wh- how's that gonna affect my home? Now, if my business is reliant on, you know, something that, uh, you know, that the, the economy and some way that the the banks would affect that. Yeah, maybe my business. Maybe I'd make some uh, make less money, but the banks are going to be. And he said foreclosures are going to rise. So if foreclosures rise, then the banks are more likely to renegotiate the mortgage deal. I'll tell you right now, uh, Washington Mutual renegotiated my mortgage without. A, you know, uh, they came to me. I did not come to them. They gave me a very good deal on a uh, adjustable. You know, I had an adjustable rate mortgage. They gave me a very good deal on a fixed rate uh, for four hundred dollars. I was in a new mortgage, and uh, you know. Uh, on my way. Any other questions? That's great. I had one other question. Um, yes, sir. You said next week there's going to be a trial for cat. Where where exactly was that going to be? Do you know? Uh, it's going to be at the federal courthouse in Concord, New Hampshire. You can go to nhfree.com, go to the forums there, and you'll find a thread all about it. And I thank you for the call tonight. All and, right. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231 unscreened. We go to the amp line. Who's this? Uh, this is White in Houston. Hello, White. How's, what's on your mind? The Houston Chronicle website just a moment ago had a big headline said, Galveston Congressman votes against aid. Guess who that might have been? Ron Paul. Yes, it was. And the story looks really nasty, but I read through all the comments. There were 31 comments. I'm guessing 26 of them were pro-liberty. I was amazed. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, if, it's the, if it's Ron Paul territory, then I guess that kind of makes sense. There were three. There were three of them that were people that live in this district that listed all the things they do to prepare and suggest other people do the same thing or move the heck away. I thought it was amazing. Thought I would share. So, yeah, uh, what was the, what was the final vote? Do we know what that was at this point? Oh no! Uh, last I looked, it was there were thirty-one comments, and it looked like. 20, about 25 of them or so were... Okay, but out. the vote, uh, you don't know what the vote was? Uh, you said Ron Paul voted against oh. it? Oh, that, I'm sorry. I, I moved away from the website. That's a, that's okay. I don't see it here. I would I think know. it'd be plastered all over the Drudge Report, and, and I, I don't see it. So Ron, not, Ron Paul was the only dissenting vote. 
say that. Really? Well, yeah, then I guess that, that it was uh, overwhelming uh, for the aid. Yep. Yes. What did you expect to happen? I mean, there were people, uh, you and Wayne, Mark, I guess you guys kind of thought that it could go in the favor of, or I guess, against the aid package. I, was, I said that? Was it Wayne? I don't know. I got the impression from some people that they thought there was a chance because of all the outcry. Maybe it was just Wayne, you know, that there was uh, this, this chance. And I appreciate the positivism, but that there was a chance that it could be stopped because only 7% of Americans were for it. And I said, are you kidding? You know, they're just going to come back to the table, buddy up, change things a little bit, and here you go. Uh, and, if, you know, if what, if what White says is true, they've all pretty much voted for it. Because they don't care, because it's all about helping their buddies out. Even if they lose the election, I'm sure their pockets will be lined sufficiently in reward for coming through with this uh, with this aid package. What do you think, White? I think that's right. I had also, I added comments uh, pointing towards, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Davy Crockett's speech against uh, against welfare and also James Madison being against against uh, aid and yeah. uh, put, put links so people could read it for themselves. Thank you, sir. And Appreciate yeah. hearing from you tonight, White. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. And again, that's 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're totally free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then we ask you to learn how to promote Free Talk Live by going to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll find a bunch of different ways, most of them completely free, a few of them very low cost. Uh, as to how you can get this show into more ears around the world and locally as well. So get all the details over at promote.freetalklive.com. I have to say, I misunderstood what White was calling about a few moments ago on the amp line, talking about how Ron Paul was getting coverage for being the only person to vote against an aid package. I thought he was talking about the financial bailout. Yes. And that, that was, was the Galveston the um, hurricane situation. Right. It was the, and, you know, the funny thing is, is that it, he likely will be the only one to vote against it anyway when, when it comes up. Yeah. But and, uh, I don't think at any point you revealed that you didn't know that, you know, that you were talking about the uh, financial aid and he was talking about the, the hurricane. So I think it, it flowed okay anyway. But. Yeah, I, but I just want to make it make it clear that I was not understanding correctly, and I wanted to make make sure it was clarified that it was not the vote has not happened yet on the the financial bailout thing. Okay. Uh, even though Ron Paul does have a few things to say about it, and I'd like to share some of those things with you. But we need to go to your calls first and talk to Keith in Tennessee on the amp line. Hello, Keith. Hello. I um, just heard a commercial about the Free State Project, and that's kind of a coincidence because I'm moving right now to New Hampshire. Oh, con- part of the Free State Project. Congratulations. Uh, to where are you moving? I am moving to Seacoast. I actually, um, it was really convenient. What I did is um, I had a Free Stater help me pack up my bags, and tonight I'm kind of going halfway and staying in Ohio mm-hmm. with a Free Stater. And then um, eventually I'll make it to um, a Pork Manor. A free stater will let me stay with him at his house in um, Seabrook, New Hampshire. So free staters are helping me all along the way. It's pretty easy, really. I thought it was going to be a lot of trouble, but 
they're all coming together and just making it really smooth for me. Well, when people do arrive here in New Hampshire, there's the welcoming committee, and if you promote that you're arriving and when you're arriving and where you're arriving, people will just show up uh, to help you unload your truck or however much stuff that you have, help you inside with it. And, of course, it's a great time to meet many of these people. Some people will be meeting them for the first time. You, Keith, you've been up here a few times. You know uh, a lot of the free staters already. And uh, the the amount of assistance that's available for people to move is just – it's tremendous. It's something that I've never seen before in my lifetime. Uh, usually when you're moving, you've got to beg somebody to let you use a truck or go and rent one, and then you're all on your own, and it's very difficult to move. But if you can get your truck loaded up, where you are and get it here to New Hampshire, there's always people willing to help you move in. And so I thought you were moving to Keene. What uh, what happened to those plans? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I never thought I'm moving to Keene. Oh, I'm sorry. But, I must have, um, must have misheard Keene's a somewhere. Great place. I have visited, and I really do love Keene. And um, I absolutely enjoy Keene so much. So I'm sure I'll, I'll be to Keene. Oh, great. If anyone's thinking about moving to Keene, I recommend that if you can move to Keene. Well, very good. It's, just, it's easier sometimes to go to one of the Fork Manors to start out. If you go to porkmanor.com, you can find out more. And then once you just kind of get in the state, then it's easier to move to an apartment or something like that in Keene. Yep, that much is true. I thank you, Keith, for the call. Good luck with your trip. Congratulations. 800-259-9231. You know, that's one of the problems. Uh, looking at getting a pork, pork, setting up a pork manor here in Keene, that's, too. Yeah, who's looking at that? I can't you say. Am I? Oh. No. Hell oh, okay. no. <laughs> yeah, I know there's somebody that's that's looking at that, and hopefully there will be more than one person doing it eventually because Keene's one of the last areas of the, the state that actually doesn't have a one of these pork manors, which is basically a rooming house, uh, multi-unit or just a big house converted in, you know, with locks put on bedroom doors. Uh, a, essentially a rooming house, which is offered up to Free State Project movers at relatively, uh, you know, a, around or below market rates. Uh, to kind of give them a a low cost place to as a landing zone, if you will, to arrive here. And as Keith was saying, you arrive at a, a pork manor, and then you can learn the lay of the land for the rest of the state, find something a little bit more permanent for yourself. Uh, so I think it's, it's you know you don't want to you don't want to buy if uh, you want to wait a year and rent yeah. and whatever, and that way you can look around and, and find out what you really want to do. So there you go, and one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So I guess George Bush he got on TV last night and told uh, the Americans that were watching him that the economy was about to die and if government didn't do something about it then we are going to enter into some sort of awful uh, depression situation oh here's his quote Here, this is what he said without immediate action by congress america could slip into a financial panic and a distressing scenario would unfold I'm not sure what exactly he's what that means it's, it's you're not bad. supposed to, you're not supposed to know exactly yeah. what it means it's supposed to be ominous yeah, it does sound ominous uh, he says our entire country is in danger and so, you know, now they're getting all together and palling up and saying they're going to work together. And, you know, when they say they're going to be working together on something, look out. Yeah. Because it's probably because they're a working, bad idea. Uh, they're working together against the American people. You know, I'm sorry. The people that are going to be setting up this, uh, this, this big banker bailout are the big bankers and the politicians sure. uh, that are in their pockets. They're it's flunkies. not going to be the American people. It's not going to be for the American people. It's going to be terrible, terrible, terrible for the person who goes out and works every day. And it's going to be good for the people that, uh, well, you know, take our money away. So if you want to comment on this, and again, it has not been voted on yet. Uh, there's, there are reports saying that 
I guess Henry Paulson, the Treasury Secretary, is is concerned that it might not happen. Uh, fears uh, he fears a bailout deal falling apart after a chaotic White House meeting. So it it's been kind of up in the air for a, a few days at this point. I don't know how it's going to all play out, but I bet they'll manage to cut a deal at yeah. the last moment. Well, what they'll do is they'll um, they'll say, okay, we've heard you, American people. We know what you want. We mm-hmm. understand. Uh, we have to have a, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to have a bailout. We're going to uh, siphon some money in to keep the bank stable. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a programs for the, uh, you know, the, the less fortunate. They're going to do exactly what they want to do. And they're going to rename it and shuffle the, the, the deck around a little bit. You know, squeak, squeak, watch the puppy. Um, you know, which which nut is, it, is the pee under? It's just that, the, right. you know, they're going to do the same thing. And then people are going to be like, oh, okay, good. We're gonna, we dodged that bullet. Yeah. And, and in fact, what's interesting about this story where Bush is essentially saying, the you know, the country is going to crash and burn if government doesn't do something. This is essentially the government trying to make itself relevant, right? The government is trying to say, hey, it's not our fault this is happening. It's the marketplace. Bush yeah, the marketplace has market failed, is broken. what they said. Yeah, right. That the marketplace is failing or the marketplace is broken. And so this is where government gets to say, you know, get all this spotlight shown on it and to say, hey, look, if it weren't for us... If we weren't sitting here in this room writing stuff down on paper and putting our signatures on it, then you you Americans, you'd be in trouble right now. And Absol- it's all the market's fault, which, of course, is nonsense. Poppycock. It's yep. the government and its financial policies and the Federal Reserve, the central bank, that created this situation in the first place. It always has been. They, they call it the business cycle, but it's not really the business cycle. That's just them trying to... Uh, to, to libel the the free marketplace that's them trying to libel the market because the marketplace doesn't have the business cycle the business cycle exists because of the central bank booms and busts and malinvestments occur because of what the government bureaucrats or the federal reserve bureaucrats do with their manipulation of the money supply and interest rates and all of that let's go to paula in florida we'll talk uh, with uh, well i guess we'll get ron paul's thoughts on all this in a bit but paula you're on the line on free talk live hey you're exactly right you're dead on the money. It's the Federal Reserve that caused this problem. And I don't know if you heard this, but one night a young woman or a woman that worked at the Federal Reserve, uh, she came on Rents.com and she told a lot. And she said that uh, since 1997, every mortgage has been fraudulent. Well, I don't and know what that fact, means. She said that the government put away $600 trillion, packed it away somewhere. And then in 1997, they packed away another $10 trillion. Yeah, just the, Paula, as a. $600 trillion is a, a, a lot of money, Paula. A word of advice, yeah. well, Paula, she knew, she just so you know. She was right there when it happened. Jeff Rents is a crackpot kook. No, I'm uh, just saying, no, I'm talking about her. She worked right. at the Federal Reserve. But she when was Jeff there. Rents has someone on his show, it's like an automatic, you know, well, this guy's in a uh, fringe nut job. Were, well, it, working at the Federal Reserve. She was there when this took place because she was part of it. So I'm kind of curious. How did they put away $600 trillion? There's not that much money in circulation. It, yeah, they, they, they haven't printed no, $600 trillion. It's been put away somewhere. Right. Well, I'm saying that they haven't printed that much. <laughs> and if they this did, has been over e- a, if it was a even in $100 bills, it would fill a football stadium. Uh, and some, probably. You, she said this has been over a period of time, but in 1997, they put away another $10 trillion. I'm not, where, what's the point of the putting it away? I don't really understand uh, I, that. Uh, we have no idea why they did this, 
But right, I mean, because the it's thing poppycock. They have no reason the to do Reserve. that. We need to get rid of it. I'll agree with and, you on that point. And go back, pull JFK's executive order, put the money back in the banks where it belongs. All right, Paula, thanks Not for the call. Yeah, thank you very much. Getting rid of the Federal Reserve, agree with that part of the call. Yeah. $600 trillion, not in a vault somewhere. <laughs> Swear. Packed it away in the back corner of a computer <laughs> disk with mothballs so uh, the bugs don't get to it. Very, very strange. More on the way. Uh, hour two is coming up. What does Ron Paul have to say about this financial situation, this meltdown, crisis, whatever you want to call it? We'll find out in moments. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. That's the point of the program. We talk to Peter in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Peter. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, just a quick update, guys. Washington Mutual will be purchased by J.P. Morgan. And what's that mean? Washington Mutual as a bank no longer exists. I just thought I'd fill you in on that current. What is uh, what is J.P. Morgan? It's another bank, central right? bank. J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, that's a. It's, um, it's not a central bank, Mark. The only central bank is the Federal Reserve. Yeah, but um, I, they, the, 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 I thought the Federal it's Reserve. A, it's a member Reserve. bank. Member bank. Aren't all banks members of the Federal Reserve? No. No, this is a, it's it, it, you have the big guys like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, I believe Citigroup. Don't hold me to that. There might be somebody. I think so too. On that. I think so too. Um, okay. Th- those are member banks of the Federal Reserve, um, who are open to that discount window of two percent. Okay, directly dictated by the Fed. So I think uh, yeah, there's a difference in level there between a bank like uh, uh, J.P. Morgan and WAMU, which is just basically uh, a thrift, a savings and loan bank. I see. So this is significant because Washington Mutual is particularly large? Washington Mutual is large, yes. It's it's the biggest savings and loan in the country. Um, Gotcha. Is there a yeah, savings sure. and loan? Uh, is, it's, nothing's a savings and loan anymore. Um, I mean, they 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 hold home loans, and they're they're darn big as far as holding uh, home mortgages, along with uh, countywide or countrywide countrywide. Um, I think that those are the two biggest holders of uh, mortgages. Um, it, well, it it is the last large thrift in the country, Mark. Yeah, um, I don't know what a thrift is really. It's mm-hmm. basically a savings and loan bank, but it's it's not like a new word? like. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not like the savings and loans bank back in the 80s with the scandal, et cetera. I think that they've, you know, sort of changed exactly what they do. But it's not a large-scale commercial bank like a J.P. Morgan. Gotcha. So was Washington Mutual failing, and that's why this yes. happened? Yes, that's exactly correct. So, so they're, been, they're a step closer to being uh, controlled by the, the federal government. Uh, exactly. And, and I think, guys, not to get overly conspiratorial on Free Talk Live, because we know what happens that's okay. if you do that. There are conspiracies. Um, Yes, I understand, Ian. I understand. I'm, just, I'm just joking with you. Um, you're seeing a consolidation here. I, I, I think what's going, it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that what you're seeing here is basically the Federal Reserve and its large member banks using their power. They're creating a crisis, and they're trying to absorb a lot of the, the other financial institutions that perform other functions out there. Guys, there's no, there are no more independent investment banks. They're gone. Mm. They're finished. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what has occurred. When you say that, again, I'm no financial expert, so when you say there are no more independent uh, investment banks, what is? I I guess I don't really know what that means. Uh, Well, there is is still one, I apologize, or two. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, okay, I believe still exist as independent entities from any other banks. Now, the difference between an investment bank and a commercial bank, and I'm not a financial expert, but as far as I understand it is, the function of a, a, a commercial bank is to take deposits and then extend loans, mm-hmm. okay, either to businesses or to uh, uh, um, homeowners, okay. or prospective homeowners, or whatever it may be, uh, capital loans. The function of an investment bank is to basically uh, fund institutional investment on a large scale. I see. Okay, so they're so expecting to get uh, not just a return on interest, but a return on in- investment as far as they are investors in, uh, uh, in big launchings of things. Yes. Okay. I see. The yeah, big stuff. So big international stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, what? So I therefore, what you're it. saying is the investment banks are. So you're now... saying Goldman Sachs isn't one of the uh, the member banks? Because I, I always I, thought they were a big player. Yeah, I thought they were well, too. They're a, huge, they're a huge player, and they're not a member bank. What huh. what, what you may have heard is that. Henry Paulson, the Treasury Secretary, the guy who's basically trying to ram this down the throat of Congress right now, uh, is the former CEO of Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs just happens to be basically the only independent, relatively vital investment bank left after this butchery. Hmm. So there's definitely cronyism going on there. And it was only when Goldman Sachs was rumored to be under some uh, strain that Paulson finally stepped up, and you started to hear about all these initiatives on the part of uh, Bernanke and Paulson. Okay, um, but, but the reason the reason I called, I'm sorry, I didn't want to go off on a tangent no, like that. The reason I called is, guys, there's always a tension on the show between the political and the apolitical activists. Okay, okay, for lack of a better word, and I think you guys have sort of you've crystallized that debate very well by talking about the you know the different camps in New Hampshire, for example, mm-hmm. the people who believe that you should use the political system as opposed to those who basically believe in civil, civil disobedience and 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 using means outside the political system to attain liberty. Right. Okay. Now, I've since I started listening to the program a year and a half ago or so, I haven't figured out sort of where I was in that debate. But this crisis uh, on Wall Street right now has convinced me that there has to be a political element involved in the liberty movement. Okay? And I'll tell you why. Okay. If you want to eat bread for less than $15 a loaf, 
or buy bread for fifteen dollars, uh, less than fifteen dollars a loaf, or buy a gallon of milk for less than ten dollars. You need to have an interest in what's going on right now. Okay, so there is no way to, if you live within the quote-unquote borders of the United States, there is no way to escape the effects of what is about to happen. Okay. And there's also not much one can do about it from a, uh, you know, even a, a protesting standpoint. Well, I have an interest, but I know I can't do anything about it. Okay. There's nothing and, I can and do. I, and I don't want to say that you have a bad attitude, but I, but I, because I think that you may be right. <laughs> but, 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 the only thing to do right now, because the situation is so grave, is to mobilize. We have to have the attitude, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We have to team up with other people who are outside, let's say, the quote-unquote establishment, people whose political opinions might be counter to ours in many ways, but will agree on certain principles, like the Federal Reserve is out of control and needs to be reined in and eliminated. And how uh, are we going to mobilize to do that? <laughs> All means necessary that are nonviolent, including everything from apolitical methods like civil disobedience to writing your simple things like writing your congressperson and basically mobilizing people on a local level on a local level to say if this congressperson contributes in any way to the passage of this bill that will basically cause a hyperinflationary depression in this country they're out and you have to do the best that you can even right. if, it, if it requires walking door to door, and what and then what happens? Uh, what happens? I mean, just to here's a, yes, maybe sir. a realistic scenario. What what might yes, occur? Sir. A bunch of people call the con- their uh, so-called congressman. They complain. They say we're gonna you know we're gonna get you if you pass this. And they go ahead and they pass it anyway. And you know some congress people get bumped out. Some new people get put in. Uh, really, uh, I don't really understand well, what the all likely, the effort has that, been that for. is the likely scenario. However, I think this is big enough, and enough people are mess are, are upset about this that this could be one of those things where the letter writing campaign will have some effect. Now, I think so what you the bump out I think what the effect will be. I think what the effect will be. No, no, I don't mean bumping people out. I mean writing letters so the Congress critters um, then will do the shell game, squeak squeak, look at the monkey. Um, you know, uh, don't where's the pee? Where's the pee? Which nut is it under? You know, so they have to change a few things about this bailout. I'm not saying it's going to work, Ian, but um, what uh, what the caller's saying here is that um, you have to be involved in politics because... No, I don't. Okay. Some people have to be involved in politics and the freedom movement because um, the fact is, if, if there is a government... The people that run the banks will try to get a hold of that government. They've they already try done to create, so. What? It's been done years ago, it's, decades and decades sure, ago. The bankers have been in control for a long time. Right. In, in, in other words, in other words, there, my, my thesis is that there is no way, there is no way to escape the consequences of this. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to shelter yourself. It is a, it is an, it's a global, at this point, this is a global situation. We're all going to feel and the consequences. I agree with you on that part, Peter, and I thank you for the call. Uh, the consequences are inevitable. The uh, financial system will crash at some point. Will the Amero be able to pull it out for another decade or two or three decades or another hundred years? Who knows? Uh, but there will be consequences, and there are ways to mitigate them to, uh, to ad- adjust. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. 
That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. You'll find an entire year's worth of the program right there on the front page of the website. All that is there for you free at freetalklive.com. Everybody listening right now wins. You get a free uh, subscription to webex.com. It's uh, limited time and comes with a, uh, a webcam. That's webex.com. You can uh, meet online, have people look at your desktop from their desktop. Go to webex.com, enter promo code 600 for your free trial today. That's webex.com. 800-259-9231. Been talking about the financial disaster situation that this country is currently facing. And as we t- mentioned before, problems are going to be inevitable. I mean, the the fiat currency system never lasts forever. And this one has lasted particularly for a long time. Uh, so is it on its last legs? Hard to say. Hard to say exactly when things are going to go down. Some people are predicting there's going to be this October surprise where all kinds of Factors will converge to make for a really nasty uh, financial economic situation. But let's check in with Ron Paul. I haven't had a, a good Ron Paul article in a while on this program. And this one is entitled, My Answer to the President. So who better to go to for a, for a commentary on this particular issue than Ron Paul, a man who knows a whole lot more about economics than anybody else in Congress. And also, because he's in Congress, he's there in the belly of the beast, and he's kind of keyed into certain things that we we probably are not being out here in uh, lovely New Hampshire. So here's what Ron Paul has to say. The financial meltdown the economists of the Austrian school predicted has arrived. We are in this crisis because of an excess of artificially created credit at the hands of the Federal Reserve System. The solution being proposed? More artificial credit by the Federal Reserve. No liquidation of bad debt or malinvestment is to be allowed. By doing more of the same, we will only continue and intensify the distortions in our economy. All the capital misallocation, all the malinvestment, and prevent the market's attempt to reestablish rational pricing of houses and other assets. Last night, the president addressed the nation about the financial crisis. And there's no point in going through his remarks line by line, since I'd only be repeating what I've been saying over and over, not just for the past several days, but for years and even decades. Still, at least a few observations are necessary. The president assures us that his administration is working with Congress to address the root cause behind much of the instability in our markets. Care to take a guess at whether the Federal Reserve and its money creation spree were even mentioned? We're told that low interest rates led to excessive borrowing, but we're not told how these low interest rates came about. They were a deliberate policy of the Federal Reserve. As always, artificially low interest rates distort the market. Entrepreneurs engage in malinvestments, investments that don't make sense in light of current resource availability that occur in more temporarily remote stages of the capital structure than the pattern of consumer demand can support. And that would not have been made at all if the interest rate had been permitted to tell the truth instead of being toyed with by the Fed. So again, the Federal Reserve setting interest rates results in entrepreneurs investing differently than they would have in the absence of the Federal Reserve's manipulation. So not a word about any of that in Bush's speech, of course, because Americans might then discover how the great wise men in Washington actually caused this debacle. Better to keep scapegoating the mortgage industry or wildcat capitalism as if we actually have a pure free market. Speaking of uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the president said because these companies were chartered by Congress, many believe they were guaranteed by the federal government. 
This allowed them to borrow enormous sums of money, fuel the market for questionable investments, and put our financial system at risk. Well, doesn't that... Apparently, they were guaranteed by the government. (laughs) I mean... They were chartered by the government. Why yep. the hell were they there in the first place if they weren't guaranteed? Doesn't that I would have assumed that, too. Ron says, doesn't that prove the foolishness of chartering Fannie and Freddie in the first place? Doesn't that suggest that maybe, just maybe, government may have contributed to this mess? And, of course, by bailing out Fannie and Freddie, hasn't the federal government shown that the many who believe they were guaranteed by the federal government were, in fact, correct? Then come the scare tactics. If we don't give dictatorial powers to the Treasury Secretary, the stock market would drop even more, which would reduce the value of your retirement account. The value of your home could plummet. You're going to die. Left unsaid, naturally, is that without the bailout and all the money and credit that must be produced out of thin air to fund it, the value of retirement, your retirement account will drop anyway. Because the value of the dollar will suffer a precipitous decline. Mm. But people don't know what inflation really is, and so they can get away with telling these lies on national television, and all of the media reporters covering the event will just blah, 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 just parrot on whatever it is George Bush said. Anyway, Ron says, as for home prices, they're obviously much too high, and supply and demand can't equilibrate if government insists on propping them up. It's the same destructive strategy that government tried during the Great Depression. Prop up prices at all costs. The Depression went on for over a decade. Yep. On the other and hand... It's, the, the Depression went on because of the government policies. On the other hand, when liquidation was allowed to occur in the equally devastating downturn of 1921, the economy recovered within less than a year. The president also tells us Senators McCain and Obama will join him at the White House today in order to figure out how to get the bipartisan bailout passed. The two senators would do their country much more good if they stayed on the campaign trail debating who the bigger celebrity is or whatever it is that occupies their attention these days. Uh, Friedrich Hayek won the Nobel Prize for showing how central banks' manipulation of interest rates creates the boom-bust cycle, which we're, with which we're sadly familiar. In 1932, in the depths of the Great Depression, he described the foolish practices being pursued in his day and which are being proposed just as destruct- uh, destructively in our own. Instead of furthering the inevitable liquidation of the maladjustments brought about by the boom during these last three years, all conceivable means have been used to prevent that readjustment from taking place. And one of these means, which has been repeatedly tried, though without success, from the earliest to the most recent stages of depression, has been this deliberate policy of credit expansion. To combat the depression by a forced credit expansion is to attempt to cure the evil by the very means which brought it about. Because we're suffering from a misdirection of production, we want to create further misdirection, a procedure that can only lead to a much more severe crisis as soon as the credit expansion comes to an end. It's probably to this experiment, together with the attempts of the uh, with, with the attempts to prevent liquidation once the crisis has come, that we owe the exceptionally exceptional severity and duration of the uh, of the depression. The only thing we learn from history, I'm afraid, is that we don't learn from history. The very people who have spent the past several years assuring us the economy's fundamentally sound and who themselves foolishly cheered the extension of all these novel kinds of mortgages are the ones who now claim to be the experts who will restore prosperity. Yeah. Just how spectacularly wrong, how utterly without a clue does someone have to be before his expert status is called into question? Right. Bernanke said that the, the economy's strong. So, I mean, <laughs> this is the guy? 
Oh, and did you notice the bailout's now being called a rescue plan? I guess bailout wasn't sitting too well with the American people. The very people who with somber faces tell us of their deep concern for the spread of democracy around, around the world are the ones most insistent on forcing a bill through Congress the American people overwhelmingly suppo- oppose. rather. The very fact that some of you seem to think you're supposed to have a voice in all this actually seems to annoy them. I encourage you to continue to contact your representatives, give them a piece of your mind. I myself am doing everything I can to promote the correct point of view on the crisis. Be sure to also educate you. On, uh, be sure to also educate yourselves on these subjects. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include the wiki. You can get interactive with over 1,700 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Actually, it's over 1,800 now. I checked that last night. 1,800 pages now on the wiki. Lots to see. Uh, you 1,800 can edit. pages. Yeah, you can edit virtually anything you want. It's like the listener editable version of our website. So go to wiki.freetalklive.com. And get interactive for free. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by... The Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And there's been a real boost in uh, sign-ups recently for the Free State Project. If you've been thinking about it, I, you know, I would encourage you to sign up. But more importantly, I would encourage you to move to New Hampshire because this is where it's happening. Sure enough, if there is a chance to turn anything around, if there's a chance for liberty in our lifetime, this has got to be it here. I'm certain of it. We're around some of the most amazing activists, uh, and they're all together in the same place. If you've been paying attention to what's going on with the Free State Project, you already know that you want to be here. If you haven't been paying attention, the Free State Project's website is actually a pretty good resource to go and get clued in as to what's going on. I I love the new blogs feature. It's not that new. It's been there for a few months now, but new-ish. The blogs feature that they've uh, featured there on the front page of their website where they're aggregating a bunch of different blog content from across the state, and it gives you kind of a good window into the world of activism that's actually going on here on a daily basis here in New Hampshire. So go to freestateproject.org as we talk to you about what you want at 1-800-259-9231. I know, uh, Mark, you had something about a, somebody being summoned to court over 63 cents. Yeah, I, uh, you're never going to believe this one. From oh, Col- I believe it already. <laughs> Columbia, South Carolina, a Sumter County woman was summoned to court for child support payment less than a dollar due to the mm. Sumter County Family Court's uh, shift to a new computerized system. Sum- um, Sumter County Family Court officials began clearing out the old system. They found a woman who owed less than a dollar, and her case almost made its way to court. Uh, I- she was sum- oh, she was summoned to court, but it, I guess she didn't have to go. For, 40, for a 45-year-old Kathleen threat, the uh, trouble began with a simple trip to her mailbox, signed, sealed, and delivered by a deputy to her Wedgefield home was an affidavit from the family court saying she owed 63 cents in child support. Mm. I had to apologize to the officer on the phone because I was laughing so hard. It just doesn't make sense. 
Threat called the uh, court thinking it was a misunderstanding because not only are her children no longer children, <laughs> but she's a grandmother by both of them. Wow. She even remembers receiving a letter at the conclusion of her child support duties saying she had paid in full. She's clear. Yeah. yeah. Somehow, some small change slipped through the cracks and resurfaced nearly 12 years past its due date. Wow. My problem is the waste of resources, she said. This is crazy. It's a waste, but that's the part. You know, that, it, the fact is, it is a waste. The deputy came out, the mm-hmm. time that was spent, the bureaucrats that Cost were involved. Cost him more than 63 cents, yeah. It's absolutely true. But, you know, even more so is how many cases like this they do try to, uh, to get. You know, they'll, they'll uh, go after the person. They'll fine them. Right. The, uh, the, uh, the fines rack up over 12 years. They've got a several thousand dollar bill over 63 cents in the beginning. Right. Has, she has got it- lucky. But has a deputy ever looked at one of these summons or orders that he has to follow and, and said, away? are you kidding me? No way am I doing that. I've got speeding tickets to write or something like that. Are you kidding? Has anybody ever actually refused to go out and investigate one of those absurd I, cases like that? I don't know. I can't imagine. I, I mean, maybe. Well, <laughs> In the course a, of history, many, many, many things happen. So. Here's a case the police are claiming to investigate, and I guess we can probably predict what's going to happen in advance. But let's tell you the story here first from New York's CBS television the New York Police Department has taken action. We haven't had a taser story in a long time on the air mm. on this program. It's not because people haven't been having heart attacks and dying as a result of being tased. It's just that we can't we can't give you taser stories every night or else it'd be the taser, taser radio. talk live. Uh, but th- there are always new cases of police abusing tasers on people or using using their tasers in abusive ways. And in this is uh, this case is no exception. In fact, it's worthy, certainly worthy of talking about because somebody happened to be on the scene with a camera. I don't believe it was a video camera. I believe it was a still camera. But nonetheless, they captured some shocking photos of what happened in New York City where the police department's taken action against two officers involved in the death of an emotionally disturbed man who fell to his death after being shot with a taser gun in Brooklyn on Wednesday night. Mm. The last moments of 35-year-old Iman Morales' life were spent naked and perched on a ledge in Bedford, uh, wherever. Dozens of people watched... Bedford Stuy? Stuyvesant? Stuy... Bedford Stuy. Okay. Anyway, while some people took photographs as Morales jumped up and down on top of a 10-foot-high roll-down gate as he swung a fluorescent light bulb toward police officers who were trying to grab him on a nearby fire escape. Dangerous man. Basically, you've just got a crazy man standing outside a, <laughs> naked outside of a building. It's when, New York City. W- right, wielding a fluorescent light bulb. He, <laughs> I mean, he couldn't possibly have really hurt anybody too badly with, uh, with this thing. I mean, I don't even know if he could really contact anyone, anyone with it. He'd have to probably throw it at them. But an officer on the ground uh, raised his taser gun and fired a five-second jolt from the 50,000-volt gun, immobilizing Morales, who then fell headfirst to his death. He yeah, wasn't. that wasn't a good idea to taser the crazy guy um, while he's you yeah. know standing over a parapet there. In front of witnesses, uh, one of whom said he wasn't hurting anybody. They could have just grabbed him and brought him down, but they tasered him instead. Well, he was threatening. It was just a really, uh, you know, unjudicious. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. But it wasn't like he had force. a gun. He had no. a, a light bulb. No, it was. Uh, you know, he, he, he certainly overreacted. But the idea of the taser is is just that. It's to immobilize people without hurting them. However, usually you do it when someone's on the ground. Right. First. You, you try to find some place when they fall. That I mean, what what the hell was the guy thinking? Well, he was thinking he's a cop and he can't have any real consequences for doing what he's doing. And he wanted to put a stop to this guy wielding his uh, fluorescent light bulb and pow, zam, zoom. And, and he did. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's the rest of the story. 
Officers had radioed for an inflatable bag as the incident unfolded, but it had not yet arrived at the scene when Morales fell. Another witness said he was there cracking jokes, posing for the cops and everything. The man wasn't a threat to nobody Mm. but himself. They had about eight cops that could break the fall, and they just moved back. (laughs) I'm very sorry. The family, I'm sorry. City Councilman Al Vans uh, said, we expect the police to say we were wrong, we made a mistake. And the police did just that, saying they violated guidelines. This is unusual. Normally the police Good. don't admit that they've done something wrong. But what are they doing to the police officers in the, in the, in the case? We'll find that out in moments here. Uh, when possible, the CED taser should not be used in a situation where the subject may fall from an elevated surface, said the NYPD in a statement. State Senator, former police captain, said police Just must, in case you wondered. must learn emotionally troubled people must be treated with care. They're not criminals and they need help and help can never be death. The lieutenant who directed the use of the stun gun was stripped of his gun and badge. Oof. And the officer who shocked Morales was placed on desk duty, so he's still getting paid. I'm surprised. The, I, I'm, I'm surprised to hear the lieutenant, uh, you know, recommended the use of the uh, the, stun, the stun gun. I'm, I'm just I'm floored. Yes, the officer who was just following orders was not punished as severely as the lieutenant who gave the order. But in my opinion, they're both equally as. Uh, liable here and in fact it actually brings me back quickly to a, a comment we i think somebody made a comment on uh, saturday night or somebody had called in to ask me if i thought the the politicians or ask us if we thought the politicians were as guilty as the uh, the cops that follow the orders as far as cops that are hurting people are the politicians guilty? i think i mentioned that, that but you might have mentioned that and i was kind of caught flat-footed on that i didn't really have a good answer but somebody emailed me with a really great point and i i didn't certainly did not think of it and that is that the uh, the cowardly scumbag politicians are guilty because they're the ones that pay the thugs. They're the ones that authorize. I mean, not only do they order the thugs to do the the things that they're doing, but they're paying them as well. So it's essentially like you know be hiring a hitman. When you hire the hitman, even though you're not the one pulling the trigger, you are guilty because you hired the hitman. And that's what the politicians have done, essentially. I, yeah, I wonder. Point. I wonder what the really the difference is between saying. You know, somebody saying, you ought to kill that guy. You know, some kind of offhanded comment mm-hmm. that results in, um, you know, the, some nut going and doing that. And somebody saying, I'll give you $10,000 to go kill that guy. What's really well, the difference? One's a contract, the other's a conversation. 800-259-9231. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Morales, the man who was tased and fell to his death, his mom was standing just a few, hours, oh, a few yards away when oh, her son gosh. fell. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying will get a cut, even if it's used. Head over to amazon.freetalklive.com. Coming up, uh, we'll talk about Toronto where some people are proposing a total gun ban 
and 10 reasons for it. But first, let's talk about what Google is up to these days. I, I think Google is one of the most useful companies, at least in my life, as somebody who is online quite a bit and does a lot of stuff in the realm of the Internet. Uh, Google has made my life a whole lot easier. You're a Google fan. I like I like Google. I understand that you know liberty lovers are going to say, well, they bow down to the government here and there, and their privacy policies aren't the greatest. And I understand all that. But as far as the products they're offering in the marketplace and some of the innovations and what they're doing, I think they're doing some really amazing work. And of course, it's all free. Like everything from Google I've ever touched has been free. Stuff I'd be willing to pay for. They just make it free. Anyway. You're just a cheapskate, that's all. And, you know, if it's free, it's for me, right? Anyway, here's the story. Actually, yes, I, sev- I know. Several stories. Uh, first, let's start with Google versus the FCC. This story from the Washington Post, where Google co-founder Larry Page turned up on Capitol Hill today to boost the company's Free the Airwaves campaign. Sounds like something we could get behind, huh? And he had strong words for those who opposed their bid to open more of the airwaves for high-speed Internet access. Google, Microsoft, and others in the tech world want the FCC to allow the unlicensed use of white spaces, the gaps in the spectrum between television channels, as a means of making broadband Internet access widely available in the United States. But broadcasters fear that their use could cause interference with television stations and other devices such as wireless microphones. Page said some of the tests that have been done to determine whether new devices using the white spaces would interfere had been rigged. A Google spokesman said he was referring to the test held in August at FedEx Field. The test was rigged deliberately, said Page during his remarks. Uh, the, that's the kind of thing we've been up against here, and I find it despicable. Well, what did he mean by rigged? A Google spokesman explained later that the test devices couldn't detect the wireless microphones because the testers had used the same frequency as local television stations, in essence, hiding them within the television spectrum so the test device couldn't detect them. Asked afterward whether the Federal Communications Commission, which had run the tests, had a, had a role in their rigging, Google's page stepped back. So they're not going directly against the, uh, the FCC, but essentially they are. I mean, they, they are calling for uh, unlicensed use of this, these portions of the spectrum, which the FCC does not want. The FCC wants Why to license. They want, yeah, they, want, they don't want license, unlicensed anything. But the FCC wants to cash in. That's what the FCC does. It doesn't protect anybody. The FCC, it cashes in on auctioning frequency uh, band, uh, bandwidth, uh, the, the frequency ranges in the, the electromagnetic spectrum. And he called on the FCC to approve the unlicensed use of the white space, and he was meeting with FCC commissioners and blah, blah, blah. And then he uh, used the opportunity to pull out the brand new phone that Google is coming out with, or I guess uh, one of the phone providers is coming out with, which will be running Google's new operating system called Android. And that's another interesting part of what Google is up to today. Because remember when we talked about Google's new bra- uh, browser, Chrome? Yeah. Uh, and I was you know, raving about how fast it was. It's got some problems, like there's no ad block, which I really like. Uh, but really? I think it seems, something's blocking ads for me. It's got pop-up blocker, but okay, not pop-up. ad block. Okay, well, I don't know what the so difference is. So there's, there's a few bugs, but it's brand new. It's in a beta. But it's, one of the most it's spell checker isn't uh, all – it doesn't seem to have every word. It's a beta, you know, yeah, so yeah, what do you want? Beta. Uh, but but the important part about Chrome was that Google was going to be open sourcing their code. So the entirety of their browser would be essentially released 
free online to people that wanted to improve the code or snatch the code and borrow the code and use in their own projects. And the basic point that Google was making was they said, we love competition. And they put this code out there. And again, much of it was already available in uh, Apple's Safari WebKit. And Google based their code off of other code. And so the idea, though, was that they were releasing this code to the open source movement so others could incorporate their good ideas into what it was they were creating and sort of raise the bar for the entire web browsing world, essentially. And now they're doing it in mobile phones. What they're doing, uh, according to the Google blog, is uh, today, I guess, well, this is a couple days ago at this point, T-Mobile announced the first Android-powered phone. And Android is Google's phone operating system, basically. And they're talking about their Android thing. And then they point out that not only does it allow all applications open access to the phone's functionality, so they're not locking anything out, unlike a lot of phone software, uh, the platform itself will also be all open. application... Right, so you won't have to hack this software, essentially, to get it to to do things. Like, a lot of the iPhone people have, have essentially hacked into the software to get it to, you know, for instance, change cell phone providers but and that's, things like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, so it's not locked as uh, right. you know, what, what they say on eBay. Right. The Open Handset Alliance has announced its intention to open source the entire Android platform by the end of the year. Along with other members of the Alliance, we hope that Android can provide a meaningful contribution to all players in the mobile ecosystem. The developers, the wireless carriers, the handset manufacturers, etc. Everyone will be free to adopt and adapt the technology as they see fit. By doing so, we hope that users will get better, more capable phones with powerful web browsers and access to a rich catalog of innovative mobile applications. So there they go again, uh, open sourcing the entirety of their mobile phone operating system, Android, by the end of this year, and just basically saying, here you go, have at it, have fun with it, make this better. Improve. So, are you what uh, they call a a, a fanboy, like a Google fanboy? I don't know. I might be at this point. I just really like what it is that they do. They certainly seem more innovative than Microsoft, don't they? Microsoft's kind of the old dinosaur yeah, on the block. I guess Google seems nimble and quick and uh, different. And I don't know that much about computers, and largely my eyes are, uh, you know, like I, I look at the computer world through you, and I mm-hmm. know that you are, you know, you're a big fan of Google, so I, I, I can't say that I'm not. My experience with this web browser uh, has been good, great, uh, comparatively, and, uh, you know, everything that I've dealt with Google has been good. I don't have any complaints except for that whole China thing. Here's one more for you, Mark. Here's another thing that Google's up to, and this is really, I think, uh, innovative. The story's from The Times over in the U.K., where Google may take its battle for global domination to the high seas with the launch oh, of yeah, its this own... Is, this is absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Computer I mean, I... Navy, the computer, or the company, rather, is considering deploying supercomputers necessary to operate its Internet search engines on barges anchored up to seven miles offshore. The water-based data centers would use wave energy to power and cool their computers, reducing Google's costs. Their offshore yeah, status... That, that is the excuse. <laughs> ah, yes. The wave energy is the excuse. But the reason... The reason... Is taxes. Their offshore status would also mean the company would no longer have to pay property taxes on its data centers, which are cited across the world, including Britain. In the patent application, and that's going to save them. I mean, in the first year, they'll probably have paid for the data centers. They'll, be, they'll pay at least a, a good chunk of it. Imagine the uh, the amount that you pay. I mean, we pay a lot of money in pr- private property uh, real estate, a homeowner kind of real estate. Commercial real estate's much more expensive. And an expansive data center that's worth a whole bunch of money, they'll value that an incredible amount. Yeah. And they'll be, I mean, they must be paying through the nose property taxes on I their data centers. I can only imagine. 
And so now uh, the marketplace here is in, Go- in the form of Google has innovated these data barges where <laughs> they're not even going to have to use the, I mean, the, using wave energy. That's fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't count on the wave energy. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, bet- I'm betting they've done research on this, Mark. I mean, you don't just jump into this without covering all your bases. Oh, yeah. You jump into the uh, moving your stuff offshore without covering your wave energy bases. Computer centers are located on ship on a ship or ships anchored in a water, uh, water body from which energy from a natural from natural motion of the water may be captured and turned into electricity may. and or pumping <laughs> power for cooling pumps to carry heat away. The increased number of data centers necessary to cope with massive information flows generated on popular websites has prompted companies to look at radical ideas to reduce their running costs. Supercomputers housed in the data centers, which can be the size of football pitches. Use massive amounts of electricity to ensure they don't overheat. As a result, the internet is not very green. Data centers consumed one percent of the world's electricity in 20, 2005. By 2020, the carbon footprint of the computers that run the internet will be larger than that of air travel, according to some consultancy firm. That's firm. right. If you what love if you love nature, you'll go live in a cave. But what I thought Eat was your interesting. Own crap. What I thought was interesting, besides the fact that Google was really, uh, I think, doing something innovative here and trying to get the hell away from these taxes, is what some of the comments actually had to say about this. And I don't know if it was on this particular story, but yeah, there's like 83 comments here, so I don't see the one that I spotted earlier. But one of the comments was essentially chastising Google. They're stealing oh, our tax that's money. That's right. You want all the benefits of living in this society, but you don't want to pay the cost. You don't want to pay your fair share, was the attitude there. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, them. good on Google. Fantastic, excellent innovation. And, uh, you know, I, I am a fan. I have to say it. 800-259-9231. I, I think they're providing some much-needed competition for organizations like Microsoft, and they're doing a pretty darn good job at it. I want the Google operating system. When is that coming out? This is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Take control. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything as we launch here at hour number three of the program. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. And start with Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Tom. Uh, Yeah, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Figure this one out, okay? Okay. Yeah, do some work for somebody. And then on payday, they say, of course... We don't keep money here on the premises. What we do, we keep our money down at the bank. So let's give you this check here, and what you do is you bring it down to the bank and present it with your identification, and they'll give you the money because that's what they're in the business of doing, okay? Mm -hmm. So you lug this thing down to the bank, and you present your identification, and they charge you $6 to give you your own money, okay? Yeah. That's That's what Bank of America is starting uh, next week or uh, this Saturday, I believe. The effect of this Saturday, if you don't have an account at them, then even you bring in a check drawn on good funds at their bank, 
they're going to charge you money to cash that check there. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those, uh, since you're not really a bank customer, if you, uh, it, it, they won't charge you any money if you have an account with the bank. It's if you don't have ones. But, yeah. And but so since you're not, not, what's that? They might not give you your money back if you put money in the bank. And what we need to do here is suggest that what they're really trying to do is uh, keep people from cashing these checks because they don't have enough money to cover all these checks. And if everybody, if they kept paying everybody Wait, that doesn't time, make sense. I mean, if, if you've got a check that you're cashing, they'll just take the six bucks out of the money they're giving you. But they don't have enough money to cash everybody's checks and because the bank is insolvent. That's what we need to start the rumor, that the Bank of America is insolvent, and that's why they're doing this. They want you to deposit the check so that they can cover it a few days later with money that gets deposited by new people. But that's not that true. The bank is really insolvent. It's just not so true, what? Tom. <laughs> no, so what? But, but, but this is how we can fight back against Bank of America, ripping off the people who can afford it the least, people who can't afford to keep money in that account and get ripped off with monthly service charges for not having enough money in their mm. account all the time. And that sort of thing, if, if you... Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, there are a lot of accounts where you don't have to pay a monthly service charge. Maybe Bank of America is not that way. From what I understand, they're a big uh, behemoth of a bank and not very friendly as far as customer service is concerned. So you might be right uh, about them. I personally don't use them, and I've never really heard anything particularly good about them. So thank you, Tom. Nobody really has anything good to say about a big bank. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I don't know. There's a bank up here in the Northeast and actually in Canada called TD. TD Bank North. I've always had a good experience with them. Well, They're pretty just big. Because, just because the uh, the customer service I've had at Bank of America hasn't been bad. Oh, that's good. It's just it's just that you know their their banks are implicit in this. All right, let's uh, you know speaking. I think of, that the uh, best thing you can do is have a if, have a credit union account. Speaking of up north, Mark, you've got a story about Toronto that someone has proposed a total gun ban, and I guess it's what somebody that is worth talking about. What what well, is this? It's, it's not just someone. It's a uh, um, you know it, it's a from, politician. From now to Toronto.com, 10 reasons that we need a gun ban. The cover story, it's a special report banning handguns in Canada by Enzo Di Matteo. Oh, wow, the whole country of Canada, not just, uh, not just Toronto then. Bang, bang, two shootings in the span of eight hours on Tuesday. Don't tell us there isn't a crisis in our city. Handguns <laughs> are blasting a hole in our national fabric, snuffing out young <laughs> lives and themselves. costing Billions in health care right. every year. Wow. And it's not just a gang thing. Mayor David typical. Miller has been taking aim at the feds and pushing in a national handgun ban. So far, more than 65,000 Canadians have signed his online petition, toronto.ca. Disempower us! Yet in this election, the NDP is the only federal party talking about an outright ban. The issue is simple. Either we're a country that values human life or we're not. <laughs> Time we just joined... Apparently that is the issue. Yeah, that's because if you value human life and the ability to protect human life, you'd probably want to have guns around. Yep. Time we joined the mayor in telling our polls, uh, the politicians, mm-hmm. get the pieces off the streets. The guns. The pieces. Yeah. Well, he's hip. Yeah. He's piece. hip like that. Right. Enzo is. Yep. Ten reasons. Not ten reasons. Number one, there's way... Too much cold, hard steel floating around. 
We think the U.S. And, of course, uh, signing a gun ban is going to just take it all, right? It's just going to poof, go away. He, he makes the, the best point right here that uh, it can't be done. We think of the U.S. as gun-obsessed, but more adults per capita are packing in Canada, one in every four compared to one in six um, than wow, in the United fantastic. States. I don't know packing what that means. Uh, I mean, that probably means has a gun at their house or something. Could be. But I've heard one in three in, in the United States, so... More well, than maybe he means packing. Maybe he means carrying them around. Maybe it's uh, one gun for every three in the United States. I don't know. More than 632,559 guns are registered in Canada, but more. More didn't, than... Wait, before you go on, didn't Michael Moore do a movie called Bowling for Columbine where he looked at the statistics? I haven't seen the movie. I've only seen excerpts from it. But he looked at the gun crime statistics between Canada and the United States. And you'd, you'd expect Michael Moore to just, you know, blast all, all guns, right? But he was actually being somewhat fair in that he pointed out that, well, Canada has pretty liberal laws uh, on guns. I mean, you can but have guns in Canada. Not much anymore. I, I, maybe that maybe it's the way it used to be when that movie came out, okay. but uh, but it was my understanding that Canada was pretty good on uh, gun ownership, and he said, well, Canada's got all these uh, these gun freedoms as the United States does. Why is it the United States has so much more gun crime? Was essentially the questions some of the questions he was asking in that movie. So I mean, if it's true that one in four Canadians are carrying heat, then sounds to me like it's a pretty safe place. Because that's what the statistics show. When you've got freedom to carry firearms, then, like we do here in New Hampshire, uh, mostly, there's, I guess, a concealed carry permit. But you can carry openly in New Hampshire. Well, you can't, Mark, because you're a felon. But most people can carry openly in New Hampshire. Vermont is totally open. There's, uh, you can conceal in Vermont. You don't have to beg anybody's permission there. Alaska, also very similar. These are all places where per capita gun crime is next to nothing. I mean, it's, it barely even exists so just because there's an occasional shooting doesn't mean that guns are the problem. But I'm sure they've got more points. Yeah, well, um, uh, number two, gun dealers and the feds can't keep track of what's out there. One-third of the guns used in crimes in Toronto actually come from the so from so-called legal sources, i.e. from break-ins at gun stores. It's a so-called legal source. Break-ins at gun stores <laughs> and uh, the homes of collectors since 1997. Meaning they were stolen. Right. Stolen from those places. That's a legal source. Yeah, I don't think so. Since 1997, more than 90,000 firearms have been reported missing or stolen in Canada. So he's saying that a third of the guns are used in crimes, but those guns were being tracked in whatever manner that the government could track them as best they could. It's only a third, though, by the right. way. Two-thirds, <laughs> Two-thirds are completely black marked. Right. So um, what, you're, what you're proposing to do is make all of them 100% black market. Yeah, pretty much. Big fat deal, Enzo. Right. Anyway, since 1997, more than 97,000 firearms have been reported missing or stolen in Canada. Another 130,000 licensed handgun owners, um, licensed gun owners who had previously registered, failed, or refused to register their guns after the Libs introduced a new gun registry in 98. Hmm. Firearms are the uh, third leading cause of death among young people. Are we on number three or number... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are not, now on number okay. three, yeah. Firearms, the what now? Third, Third leading cause of death among young people. Hmm. Um, Number one must be car accidents, maybe. I don't know what it is, but if young people don't get diseases, right. so it has to be something. Yeah. Canada ranks right up there with Israel and Northern Ireland, a spine-chilling fifth among the 26 industrialized countries in the rate of firearm deaths among children under 15. Canada's firearms-related homicide rate is three times higher than Australia's and six times higher than England's and Wales. Handguns accounted for... 40% of all homicides in Toronto between 1998 and 2003. All Only these things, 40%? All these things... May- 
Um, forty percent of all homicides. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess the other sixty percent something Strangling else. Strangling or something like that. Knives. I don't know. Yeah, what, the stuff. Stuff that's going to be legal after the ban. Yeah. Um, they. What they're right. pointing homicides out here. Homicides won't nothing, go down. Yeah. Right. It has really nothing to do with uh, guns. I mean, you know, they're they're pointing out that. Uh, you know, the homicide rates and uh, firearms deaths and stuff like right. that. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get rid of these things. People are still going to have guns in their homes. Look, at it's the longest undisputed border in history, and it's with the United States. They're just going to go across the border if they want guns. You betcha. 1-800-259-9231, and uh, there will be plenty of guns still. There's still guns over in the U.K., and of course, just, the, the, just the outlaws have them now. Well, right, and the U.K. is uh, now working on outlawing. Uh, they may have already done it. As I recall, if I recall correctly, outlawing knives. So that's always the next step. And there's more points. We'll get to those in moments. You with any of your accounts receivable needs, uh, that's SACL CAI. You can uh, find out more about them at uh, the, the, if you go to the top banner on the right hand side of the page, uh, freetalklive.com. And you know, if you can do business with them because. They do so much for liberty. Jason Osborne is a is a real stand for liberty, and uh, you know, is trying to do so much uh, in, involved in the Free State Project and Free Talk Live, a Gardner Goldsmith Show, the Liberty Conspiracy. So, uh, SACL CAI, see their banner at uh, freetalklive.com. dot com. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, we will continue here with the list of ten things that the some of the People in Toronto or in Canada are saying are the reasons why guns need to be banned outright, 100% total gun ban in Canada. That's the proposal that's on the table. And, of course, we've been going through these. And, just and I've got statistics how, how uh, you know, um, gun ownership uh, increasing relates to, uh, you know, g- g- gun crime or, you know, crime going down in Ottawa and the banning of uh, guns, it, you know, uh, causes you know, an increase in crime. Um, so I, I don't understand why people continue to uh, beat this drum, but they certainly do. They think that guns run around and commit crimes. So let's continue. It's not mostly a gang thing. Suicides and action, accidental deaths from guns account for two-thirds of all firearm-related deaths in Canada. Suicides, accidental deaths. That's how, um, uh, how's that for ripping a hole in your conventional wisdom? Well, do you think that people wouldn't commit suicide if there weren't for guns? <laughs> I mean, really, they would just do something else. a building to jump off of. Uh, Take pills. Mm -hmm. You know, all kinds of things that one can do. Uh, Certainly with pills, if if they're found, their stomachs can be pumped, but they'll just try harder not to be found. Mm -hmm. And they'll try again if they really want to. Accidental deaths, I don't know. I mean, accidental deaths come from uh, tractors and cars and all kinds of things. Do you want to ban those two? More than 20% of the 4,000 suicides annually are carried out, carried out with firearms. More blood is spilled in the floors of our nation's hospitals and emergency rooms from accidents and depression than from battles between rival gangs of bloods and crips. Gun violence is costing us billions. Number five, according to the National Public Services Research Institute, the total yearly cost associated with gunshot wounds in Canada is $6.6 billion. Suicides and attempted suicides account for the bulk of those costs. $4.7 billion. Homicides, assaults are the next, and uh, productivity losses exceed one point five. So because of socialist health care, they need a gun ban. Is that what that one's saying? I, I guess. I mean, gotcha. <laughs> I, <laughs> to me, it, it, that's... Right. All that money will trans, uh, you know, translate into stab wounds after the fact. Or, or no, they, they said it was mostly accidental. People will still have accidents. So and people, people are going to have accidents anyway. I don't know that it's going to save it or not, but, I mean, you have a government problem, which is, right. well, uh, government health care. 
and you're going to relate that to guns. Now we have to ban guns. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. These suicide victims, they did that themselves. Right, what about, victims? I, these suicides, what these about suicidal my people, what they about did my... that crap to themselves. I don't have, I'm not obligated to pay to fix them. And what now, about your I'm right not to defend your family? Wouldn't. What's that? What about your right to defend your family? I mean, just because yeah. somebody's going to kill themselves with a gun, that's, like you say, it's their problem. Uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, shouldn't negate your right to defend yourself and your loved ones. And I'm sorry, a, a taser is not going to cut it when you're up against armed criminals. I, I, I certainly don't want to uh, risk my family's life uh, when it comes to uh, right. with, for a taser. All right. Six, stiffer penalties and prison terms are not working. Apparently, uh, violent crime isn't on its way down in Canada, because it certainly is in the United States. More cops are patrolling the streets than ever before, and crime um, in uh, another ma- and, and other... Crime in all other major categories is down, yet incidence of gun violence keeps rising. In 2006, 1,287 young people were accused of firearms-related offenses in Toronto. 33% increase over 2002. How many were convicted? I don't know. He said accused. Yep, well, that's, uh, those are the numbers that he, yep. uh, he used. Seven, we share the world's most porous border with the world's largest manufacturer of handguns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Two-thirds of all guns seized by Toronto police enter Canada illegally from the U.S., where there are 81,000 federally licensed gun dealers and pawnbrokers, three times the number of McDonald's franchises, and 5,500... That's relevant. Why? Well, it, I guess there's a lot of them, but I mean... There's a you lot know, more people so, there. So somebody wants... No, no. McDonald's franchises, period, in the United States, I would assume. He's saying they're three times more in the U.S. Well, but the, than McDonald's can service a lot more people than a gun dealer can. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's, I guess, the point. Anyway, some flea markets south of the border, gun buyers don't even have to present a driver's license. So Good. he's calling for a crackdown on the border, basically, right? Not just a gun ban, but an also also a crackdown. Right? I, I, Start searching people as they're coming into Canada. He need he's he's proposing a gun ban. I don't know what that yeah. has to do with number seven. Okay, <laughs> you know most po- porous border, and that would do what with your gun ban? Uh, make it irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> the, the firearms registry is riddled with holes where handguns are concerned. All firearms in um, Canada are supposed to be registered, but no government agency checks firearms removed from the registry because they've because they've supposedly been uh, become inoperable. So nobody's checking the broken guns. Apparently, um, almost one million firearms have been removed from the registry since 1998. Oh no! As many guns as there are, I wouldn't doubt that uh, a million of them have become mm-hmm. broken. Hmm. Uh, gun manufacturers number nine, um, and all and the gun lobby are lying to us. Really. What about? They sell us fear, telling us we need to arm ourselves for self-defense using the oh. very weapons that threaten us. <laughs> it's not. Guns. It's not the weapons that would. I mean, this is so typical of these gun banning people. They always try to personify the guns themselves. Yeah. Like the guns are out there. The, the whole. The article started with it. Oh, the guns the weapons have been shooting. Are threatening people. them. Yeah, the weapons are dangerous. The no, it's an inanimate object without a human hand to pick it up and uh, manipulate it. Certainly, Guns don't do anything. It makes killing easier, but you know, I mean, if if a guy, what's the difference between a guy coming to your uh, front door and uh, using a gun to barge in, and a guy using, coming to your front door and using a ninja sword? That's to That's what barge I was in? thinking, a katana or something like that. I mean, that's actually got its benefits because it's silent. You can ki- you can kill somebody with a sword the, and no one will know. The neighbors will never hear. Right. Guns are manufactured for one reason and one reason only, to kill. <laughs> That's not true. Well, they're manufactured People to kill. People target practice with I, guns. I suppose, but uh, what are they target practicing for? 
well, shooting in the eventuality animals or of, yeah. people. But the thing is, is you need to be prepared. Why do people uh, practice martial arts? Is he going to ban those too? That's a good point. Licensing and registering regimes are not protecting us from gun violence. Well, uh, uh, licensing and registering regimes, I wouldn't imagine that they would. You should have a gun to protect yourself from gun violence. The stats demonstrate that the threat to public safety does not depend on the intent of the user, but it's related to the presence of the firearm itself. No. Look, if you want to, <laughs> if, you, if you just want to prove to somebody that uh, this whole gun uh, banning scheme of theirs doesn't work, just tell them to put a sign out in their front yard that says, Gun Free Home. We don't believe in guns. Well, he's suggesting that the presence of a firearm increases likelihood of violence. I, I guess in the room. <laughs> he should go down to Murphy's Tap Room. There are people drinking and carrying guns uh, here in New Hampshire at that particular bar. More on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Uh, so, Mark, we're reading ten reasons from some Toronto rag uh, as to why the Canada, country of Canada should ban guns entirely. They're saying the registration, the government uh, programs that have been put in place to supposedly control guns have not done their jobs. There are still people killing themselves. There are still people shooting one another. And guns should be banned entirely. Which right. of course I'd like is to go on nonsense. the record that I'm for shooting people that are uh, threatening uh you know, threatening, stealing, committing felonies, that kind of thing. So I would prefer to see them uh, taken off the list. I'm of the opinion that suicides are going to commit suicide or going to try to commit suicide anyway. So, you know, whether they are, uh, you know, shoot themselves, take a bunch of pills, jump off a bridge, whatever it is that they want to do yeah. to commit suicide, hang themselves in their room with a rope, you're going to uh, ban ropes next. I don't think you can do anything about suicides. Uh, you know, I mean, it just, it, I, I suppose there's accidents that happen with guns that would be less likely to happen with guns if they could actually get guns out of the house. However, I'm telling you, I'm going to defend my family. Yeah. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. It's about rights, you know. That really is what it is. I mean, as you point out, if you can make a persuasive case that certain statistics will be reduced, that's all fine and dandy. But it's about my individual right to protect myself and the people that I care about. Now, I understand. I don't know what Canada's constitution says. I don't really have any. I don't have a familiarity with that. Perhaps if our Canadian listeners are tuned in live tonight, they can dial in to to, uh, to fill us in on the details. But the idea, at least down here in the uh, the United States, so-called, is that gun ownership is supposed to be a right. Now, obviously, it's been infringed all over the place here. They've got registries and registrations and permits and all other manner of governmental controls on guns down here that make it clear that the government doesn't really care that, uh, that it's supposed to be a right. Because if you have to ask permission to exercise a right, you're not actually – you don't have a right. It's not, you, an, it's not a right if, right. I have, if I need permission to do it. You, you're exercising a privilege at that point. And so it, this is just all so pie in the sky, and it's the same old crap, just a different year. It's the same same crap, different place. I mean, these gun banning people have been trying this stuff for years, and if gun bans really do work, then why is it that New York City and Washington, D.C. and Chicago still have violent crime problems? It's 
because it doesn't work. Because gang members will always have their channels of getting firearms. They'll always be able to get the guns that they need. They'll. These are people that p- smuggle things professionally for a living. They smuggle right. things that smell like drugs. You think they're going to have any trouble smuggling guns into the country? And you know, it's just it's it's so silly because all you're doing is giving the gangs that he's talking about here more money, more money, more power. Because then they're going to be fighting over turf of who can sell the guns and all that other stuff. Going to be turning uh, the average, you know, an ordinary citizens who have guns to protect themselves have have a gun to protect themselves. Criminals. You're going to turn them into criminals. You know, do you really want to do that? You're going to be. You're, this is this is a you know a victim disarmament uh, bill. This is a, a criminal empowerment bill. That's all. Are there more points, or do we get one, through all one more? Okay. Gun violence creates obstacles to economic growth. Are you ready for this one, Ian? Okay. Economic growth. It's pretty straightforward. The acceptance of guns and gun culture is warping the values of young people, <laughs> leading to higher uh, high school dropout rates. People drop out of high school because of guns. Because of guns. <laughs> as high as 40% in disadvantaged areas of the city and destroying the potential for investment in neighborhoods where violence <laughs> is occurring. Maybe people in those areas are dropping what out of high the, schools. What is the connection here? There's he's, talking about, he's talking about urban uh, yeah. people dropping out of high right. schools. People are poor because of guns, too, is what he's, uh, the, you know, the, the connection he's making. It's stupid. Well, let me address the, the high school issue Poor people have been around long before guns. It's my understanding that uh, government schools here in America really suck, especially in urban areas. I mean, government schools in general have incredibly high dropout rates and illiteracy rates, but in urban areas, they're the worst of the worst. And so if you're growing up in an urban area and you're being forced to go to a government school and you have the opportunity to get the hell out and go and get a job and help your mom pay the bills or whatever, that's what you're going to go and do because that's the sensible thing to do in that particular case. These government schools, if they're run by the government, whether they're in Toronto or Canada or the rest of Canada or the United States, wherever they're run, they suck. And so I think that's the smart thing to do is to drop the hell out and go and get on with your life instead of just rotting away in these awful indoctrination centers. Seems like the sensible thing to do to me. That I, I have to agree. Are we done with that? Yep, that's right, it. That was number 10. Go. Knocked him out so. of the water there, hopefully. I think if you've got anything to add, I'm sure we couldn't cover all the bases. Dial us up at 1-800-259-9231. Just trotting out the same old crap over and over again. Well, I mean, it was a couple of new ones I hadn't heard before, like, well, like the health care one that was... Uh, different but again it all comes down to the individual's right to defend himself his family his loved ones and his uh, his or her property and having a gun around allows that to happen in a much more efficient manner yeah criminals just aren't as scared of knives they're just not so you either put the balance of power in favor of the criminals by banning guns, or you put the balance well, of power in favor of what uh, they've done the in victim. Britain is now they've um, they banned knives too. That's the next step in this yep. nonsense. You know, I mean, you, if you're a good little citizen and you get rid of your gun um, because they said that you know now they're banned, so I'm a good citizen. Then you go out and buy something to protect your home, um, like a you know ninja sword, a katana, or something like that. The criminal busts well, in with that. a with a with a gun, so you know at least I'll have a katana to defend myself with then they're gonna well he's gonna trot out his statistics of how how many people were killed with katanas right. he what he fails to mention is how many people were killed with katanas that had guns in their hands that were robbing people that were doing bad things yeah that's what they don't talk about here in this story at all of course they don't because it would be contrary to the point they're trying to make and that is all of the crimes all of the violent crimes that are prevented i think i don't think we touched on this part all of the at least here in this country it's millions millions upon millions of violent 
violent crimes that are prevented by somebody pulling out a gun, not even actually having to use the gun, but just to simply uh, to brandish it, though that's not necessarily recommended by some gun uh, advocates. They recommend that if you're going to pull a gun, you better be prepared to shoot it. That's what my dad always uh, said. But all that said... There is still something to to be said for the fact that just brandishing a gun or letting a criminal know that you are carrying or having a gun on your hip in many cases is preventing crimes from happening. And those are the, again, it's the seen and the unseen, as we've discussed before, where you can see all the gun deaths, but you can't see all of the prevention. You can't see all of the crimes that maybe would have happened had somebody not been carrying a firearm. And so although that goes completely unsung, some of it gets reported. Sometimes the, the victim of an attempted robbery will call the police, they'll report it, and you can get some statistics out of it. But many, in many cases, it's just, it, it just gets washed away because it, the crime never even happened. The criminal didn't even try anything because he saw a weapon or something like that or was scared. Because criminals are very frightened. They don't want to die. You know, I went to I went to prison, and um, I can I can tell you that uh, I met a lot of guys that did a lot of robberies with guns. And the reason that they used guns in these robberies is they're an efficient means to scare somebody into giving them the money. Right. So um, they don't want to shoot the person; they just want the money. It, but largely, I mean, certainly there's there's the sickos out there, but the, the large, serial killers, by, sure. by and large, you're talking about people who want money for a crack habit or whatever reason right. they're lazy or whatever their reason is that they want money. Mostly uh, drugs, I would imagine, mm-hmm. and that's a drug issue. Anyway, drug war issue. Yeah, drug war issue. So uh, if you say you take the guns you know, and, uh, out of people's hands, you're actually successful, and then you start having people ro- robbing with knives and stuff. Now, think about most convenience stores. It seems to me that a, uh, a robber can get relatively close to the clerk by jumping over with you know, a sword or a knife or something like that yeah. um, and, and stab the clerk if he wanted to. But I think the clerk would be emboldened if they didn't have a gun around. So what you're you're increasing the, the chances. The robber would be emboldened, you mean? No, the clerk would. Wait, if to to run away or try to get to, who knows what they're going to try? It's a dumb thing they're going to try to do to a guy with a knife, um, and then therefore they're going to get stabbed by the guy with the knife. So they're going oh, to I increase see. the you know the, the the they'll think because it's a knife they have a chance of sure. stopping it. And uh, you know I don't I don't know maybe they would, but there I think there also be people who get stabbed who wouldn't have gotten stabbed if it had been a knife and they would have just complied. 1-800-259-9231. That's the Sakel CAI toll-free line. Only a few more moments here. If you've got some additional points on the gun ban issue, uh, perhaps we glossed over something. It's certainly possible. There's a lot of stuff to cover on this issue. 800-259-9231. Of course, when it comes to the cops, they're not always afraid of guns. They're afraid of cameras. We'll tell you about that in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. If you make it now to 1-800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com and getting signed up for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take it from any major credit card or PayPal or some alternative options, get all the details uh, about how to get involved and what we're doing with the money. It's being re- uh, reinvested into the show so we can get on more radio stations across the country and spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com and you'll learn about the perks you get access to, like 
like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. I have put away a set of uh, Freedom Force comics that were autographed by the uh, the writer, and he's a listener of the show and a real help to Free Talk Live. And this is a real comic. This was put out by, I believe, Image uh, Comics, and you know, you're not talking about something that some guy put together in his basement here. This is something that I think is going to be a, a value to Jack when he gets older, and you can get your own autograph set of Freedom Force uh, for only $12, shipping in Included is all you have to do is go to Free Talk Live uh, and I scroll down to the uh, bottom of the banners. It's on the right hand side of the page. You'll see the Freedom Force banner with Liberty Lad punching through a uh, brick wall. That's uh, freetalklive.com. Check out the banner. Very cool. All right. Hey, before I get to the story about the police and cameras and how they don't like that very much, they don't like cameras very much, here's a little addendum to our discussion about Toronto. That we had a few, uh, well, we were just talking about it with the, the gun ban, but that was the entirety of Canada. Toronto, uh, as you may recall, Julia and I went there on a recent vacation together, and we came back with several observations about what things were like there. And one of the observations was in regards to convenience stores and how they don't sell alcohol. You can't even buy beer and wine at a convenience store in Toronto or in Ontario. And that was pretty stunning. But I think that what I, f- I forgot to mention something that I also observed while I was in a convenience store. And what reminded me was an email from a listener from a couple months ago. I was just scrolling through the email box. And he had told me about this in advance. And it was I was stunned to see it in reality. If you walk into a convenience store in Toronto, and this is actually all of Ontario. If you walk into a convenience store, you don't see tobacco anymore. They have been ordered to cover Oh. All of their tobacco. They call it the the government people are calling it the power wall. And since May of uh, May of this year, displays of tobacco products behind the counter are completely gone. So the tobacco's still there. It's just been completely covered up. So it looks very bizarre when you're standing there and you you got the clerk that you're dealing with at the convenience store and there's this there are these opaque things covering up where the the cigarettes are actually hmm. being kept. You can't see brands, you can't see prices. You you have no idea what brands are there. So you ask yourself, well, how do you know? You just have to know what brands there are. I mean, obviously the cigarette smokers know their brands so they know what to go in and and ask for. But according to uh Toronto's website, toronto.ca, they've got a little questionnaire here on uh, what, what the dealers need to know about the new rules they're supposed to follow. And here's a couple interesting points. Uh, retailers are permitted to have up to three signs that av- indicate the availability of tobaccos in their stores. Uh, they must comply with a certain sign regulation and must use black text against the white background. So you can't have anything attractive, nothing that anyone would want to necessarily see, some boring sign with white text or a black text. Anyway, to help product selection, retailers may offer customers a binder or other reference tool containing an inventory of tobacco products available for purchase. And then it has, that has to comply with a bunch of requirements and all that. But the next question is, is it okay for me to leave the binder on the counter for customers? You know, for convenience sake. Yeah. The binder may not be left open on the counter. It must be stored away from view. For instance, beneath the counter and may be used by a clerk and a customer of legal age to buy tobacco to identify products for purchase. The binder should only be taken out during a sale and then returned immediately to its storage location. And how serious are they about this whole immediacy factor? How, uh, you know, how serious are they? One of the questions here 
is will I be charged for restocking the shelves or taking inventory during business hours? So these guys are so scared. I mean, people are so scared of what might happen to them as a result of... Right. They don't even know whether they can stock the shelves or uh, you know, do inventory during business hours, especially if they're a 24-hour convenience store. So here is the uh, answer to that question. Enforcement staff will take into consideration special circumstances where, from time to time, tobacco products must be exposed due to either restocking or receipt of new products. While there is an expectation that reasonable precautions have been taken to ensure that tobacco products are not... Not visible for an extended period of time. Tobacco that is visible during the course of regular business transactions, including inventory work, restocking, or other normal activities, will not be considered to be in violation of the act. So they are allowing the convenience store operators to actually restock their shelves during business hours. But they better be quick about it. Damn Christian of them, I guess. Isn't this crazy? I mean, the the tobacco regulations that are popping up all over the world are just madness. Isn't it Australia where they're putting pictures of, like, blackened lungs on tobacco products? I, I recall uh, yeah. something like that they're doing. It, yeah. It's just bizarre stuff. <laughs> so so in Canada, they cover them up completely. In Australia, they're forcing manufacturers to put black plant, lungs on This is just a plant that people want. Yeah. And they'll be able to get if they outlaw it entirely, which seems to be what these people would like. I mean, the tobacco banning, the tobacco controllers would love to outlaw tobacco entirely, in which case it'll then become pretty easy to get tobacco because it was real easy to get marijuana in Toronto. I'll tell you that. Anyway, just figured I'd share I would that with hope you. that they wouldn't crack down on tobacco. Can you imagine if they cracked down on it as hard as they have on like marijuana? That would make things that'd be awful. Well, it'd be awful for all of us and our freedom, but it'd be great for the law enforcers because they get to hire new uh, cigarette interdiction squads, as they did in New York City. Uh, they'll be able to bring in new SWAT team members and start raiding more places. So it'd be a boon for the law enforcement industry, and of course, all the people that get caught with their illegal cigarettes will be arrested. As over eight hundred fifty thousand people. I think it's up over 870 or 880,000 people last year alone were arrested for marijuana possession in this country. The numbers, uh, from what I understand, just came across these numbers today. The numbers of people who have been arrested generally for drugs has not particularly risen. It stayed about the same over the past couple of years, but the marijuana arrest fa- uh, factor has risen. So fewer people were arrested for cocaine and other drugs as compared to marijuana users where there were more marijuana users arrested. It really is a war on marijuana users, and knowing how profound an addiction to nicotine can be, not because I personally experienced it, but I've known people who have, uh, knowing how profound that addiction is, they're going to be busting a lot of uh, cigarette smokers if they outlaw cigarettes. Cops growing around businesses, looking for people smoking outside. Could force people into uh, cigarette treatment programs like they do with uh, alcohol. And we don't want to incarcerate these people. We want to give them treatment. Yeah, it's a, it's a health issue, right? Ugh. All right, here's the last story here for you. Uh, this one from WHJL. Nearly everyone carries a cell phone these days, and it's hard to find one without that camera feature. It's convenient when you want to take the impromptu photo. But a Tri-Cities area man ended up behind bars after snapping a shot of a Johnson County Sheriff's deputy during a traffic stop. The cell phone photographer says the arrest was intimidation, but the deputy says he feared for his life. From a guy with a, with a phone? Here's a guy who takes me out of the car and arrests me in front of my kids. For what? To take a picture of a police officer? Sheriff's deputy arrested Scott Conover for unlawful photography. Conover says, he says, you took a picture of me. It's illegal to take a picture of a law enforcement officer. Conover took a picture of the deputy on the side of the road on a traffic stop, and he was stunned by the charge. He said, this is a public highway. 
And it wasn't a place where there's a reasonable expectation of privacy, as the Tennessee Code states. The deputy also asked Conover to delete the picture three times. He said, if you don't give it to me, you're going to jail. Under the advice of the Johnson County attorney. What was the, the guy do, doing? Sleeping? I mean, what, 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 what was he was doing? Was a traffic so, stop. So scared of. The cops always claim they're scared. That's why the cops claim they shoot dogs and stuff. That's why they they uh, that's why they claim to do pretty much everything they do. That is, uh, as far as a traffic stop that seems out of place and bizarre. It's because the cops think that th- that's their excuse at least is that they were scared. Anyway, let's uh, continue here. Under the advice of the Johnson County attorney, the sheriff would not comment, and the arresting deputy said he didn't want to incriminate himself by talking to us. In an affidavit, the deputy said he saw something black with a red light, which he thought was a threat. Could have been a bomb. He was pulling a bomb out of his coat and holding it up to his eyes. Conover was also arrested for pointing a laser at a law enforcement officer. A laser. At no time There's did no I have... a laser on a phone. No. Uh, Conover says, at no time did I have a laser, I had an iPhone. And when you take a picture in the dark with Conover's Apple iPhone, there's no flash or any light that comes from the phone that could be mistaken for a laser. In a witness statement by a Mountain City officer, it says... says you know, if the, the officer was scared of the laser and, uh, you know, that it could have been a weapon, then what was the problem with him keeping the f- picture on the phone? Why did he uh, insist that he remove the picture? Good question. In a witness statement, uh, it says the deputy asked about the picture rather than looking for a laser. If you arrested me, said Conover, wouldn't you take the laser? If you arrested me, wouldn't you take the camera? So there you have it again. Cop arresting somebody for taking a picture. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. But arming ourselves with cameras is one of the best things we can do to fight this tyranny. We'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.